All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This week, we just have me and Derek uh, doing the episode. We don't have any guests this week, but that's okay. Hopefully, you like us enough, right? Hopefully, better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, today's show is going to be a fun one. It's it's going to be about weightlifting. Um, <clears throat> this is the Primal Show, and we do talk a lot about nutrition and um, you know recovery and how nutrition helps with recovery, but we also want to talk about the benefits of weightlifting. Because I think, and correct me if you think differently, Derek, but I think that it's getting more traction right now, but I also think that a lot of runners still don't appreciate or fully utilize the the gym, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I think like as runners, we just want to, especially trail runners, we just want to be outside and like up in the mountains or in the desert or whatever. And it's like going to the gyms is kind of like, oh, I got to go to the gym and like hang out with all these meatheads and whatever, but like, <laughs> but, but really it's like one of the most beneficial things you can do to one, stay free of injury, but then also to have better days out on the trails. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into like why that is, but I'm curious to know from your side, Derek, if you've ever, like, have you always been into weightlifting or was there a transition period for you? Definitely a transition. Like I wouldn't call anything I did in high school. Like, like I'm a weightlifter or whatever. I just played soccer and had a weightlifting class. Cause it was like an elective. And I honestly forgot about it for years and years and years. And then once I got started getting a little more serious with running, like specifically getting into like ultras and stuff, I was like, man, like how can I just get stronger to have more fun outside basically? So it was definitely a small transition of just trying different things and like having coaches over the years. And then also just all the stuff you see on like social media, like with trying that and whatever. And so definitely has progressed and changed over the years, but I'm, I've been a fan of it for a long time and I've seen the results as far as preventing injuries, even though I don't necessarily enjoy weightlifting, to be honest. <laughs> so were you, were you getting injured or were you just, did were you doing it to prevent getting injured? Initially, yeah, initially to prevent injuries. Um, but years ago, and I've talked about this before in the show, like I had an Achilles injury. That's kind of like the most major injury I've ever had, honestly, like never enough to have surgery or whatever. But like during that time, I really focused on just building strength. And then coming back and easing into running again. And like since then, I haven't really had any sort of injury. And I do attribute that one to just being smarter about running and eating better, but then also lifting weights. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. For me, I <clears throat> I was getting severe IT band issues. Um, I definitely had the mindset of like, you know, if I have two hours in the day to work out, like I want to do those two hours for running. Like I don't want to do an hour of running, an hour of weightlifting. It didn't make sense to me. Um, I thought just run to get better at running. Yeah. Uh, but then I just started having like all these IT band issues, specifically the IT band, like um, it was just relentless. <clears throat> but then I met Jeff Browning. He moved up to Logan, Utah, um, which is where I live. And there's just a run we were doing together. And like in the middle of it, it just flared up again. And Jeff asked what I was doing strength training wise. And I was like, nothing. I don't have time for that. <laughs> he basically said, if you want to like do this for a long time, you're going to make time for it. <laughs> and so I just remember he was like, dude, just go home and do five minutes of wall sits a day. Um, you don't have to do it all at once. Just like do it as long as you can in one set and then do it periodically throughout the day until you hit five minutes. And it only took like two or three days before like the IT band pain was just like gone. Like it was like essentially like taking this ibuprofen in my mind at the time, um, except it actually worked and I didn't have to take in ibuprofen. <laughs> so that was, that was uh, 2017. And ever since then, like my strength training journey has just like gotten more and more, like I do it way more now than I did in 2017. 
Yeah, I've noticed. I think we talked a lot about. We well, I can't even talk today either. Um, <laughs> we we have spoken a lot about that, like just this last winter when you were doing a lot of skiing and stuff and couldn't run too much because of like the mega snowstorms and you're doing a lot of lifting. And then seeing your performance at Cocodona and how quickly you recovered, and then you got right back into the gym. So it was kind of wild. Like obviously the Cocodona story is interesting in itself, and we've spoken about it before. But do, do you feel like lifting weights all winter, just getting strong overall, played a big part of your Cocodona race this year? Yeah, I mean, like that was the strongest I've ever felt in a race, like except for the first day. But that was like stomach issues. That wasn't. I didn't feel strong. That was stomach issues. So, but yeah, like I felt like my body held up better. Um, whenever issues did arise, like for example, my, my glutes did stop firing, um, because and my quads started doing a little bit of extra work to make up for that. So like I did get tight and uncomfortable, but like, you know, in 2017, if that happened, my IT band would have flared up. I would have been barely been able to walk. And really all it meant for this race is I just had to like do a little bit of more mobility on the course. Like I talked about in a previous episode, but like, yeah, my body held up way better than what I'm used to. And I believe that's because of the increase in strength training. Yeah. Do you have any like sort of protocol you were following or is it kind of just like whatever you feel good in the day? I know if you people follow you on Instagram, like you do pretty consistent stuff. Um, but do you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause I think we do different things, but I think they're all beneficial <laughs> in different ways. Yeah. So you mean just like my routine basically? Yeah. Yeah. Like what's your routine? Like, cause you're not like, I don't know, like, I guess I don't really know exactly what you do. Yeah. So I'm basically doing six days a week of strength training. Um, three of those days are like heavier. And when I say heavier, it's not like a one rep max or like three reps. Like I know that like bodybuilders will do shorter reps, but way bigger weight. So I'm usually uh, on those three days a week, I'm usually doing anywhere from 10 to 20 reps. Um, so a little bit longer focusing more on endurance and less on the actual weight, but it's still heavier than my other three days. Um, and then those other three days are more like lighter weight, full body slash hit style routines. So like I did one this morning that was like that. Um, and it was like some dumbbell squats, transitioning into like a hammer curl, then into a shoulder press. So basically you're doing a squat, then you're doing a curl, then you're doing a shoulder press. So you're combining three different movements or sorry, three different muscles into one movement, um, doing the ab wheel, doing jump rope, doing pushups. And usually I'm doing like 45 seconds on with 15 seconds transition. And then I'll do like, do that four times. So it ends up being about 45 minutes, but so it's, it's, it's a that 15 seconds is not much of a break. It basically gives you time to go to the next one and start going. So it's, it's pretty quick and it gets your heart rate going for sure. But, but yeah. And then the three days that I'm doing heavier stuff is usually like arms, chest, back squats, working on my stabilizing muscles. Like I love using the BOSU ball. Um, for those who don't know what that is, that's that like half medicine ball that has like a plastic, uh, platform on it. So you can stand on it and like work on your balance and, and strengthen those stabilizing muscles. But that's kind of the gist of what I'm doing during the week right now. Yeah. It seems like it's been helping. Like, honestly, like, like one, like you look super fit. And then two, I think the results are, are there like from Cocodona and then how fast you recovered from it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. <laughs> and like, <laughs> Going back to the whole meathead thing, this is kind of a side tangent, but like, I almost like it now just because like, 
like, yeah, when they're lifting their weights, like there's no way I could lift as much as they do. So it's kind of intimidating, but I'm finding more and more that like, I, unless they're just being nice to me, like, I feel like I'm getting the sense that I kind of intimidate them because I'm doing like way more reps and like, I'm doing a lot more like endurance type stuff. Like I do the battle rope, for example. And like, you know, most people go, you know what the battle rope is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For those that don't know, it's like, it's this thick rope that's like looped through a, a ring. And then you basically just move your arms in different directions. Um, and it just strengthens your arms. It strengthens your core. Like it's kind of like a full upper body workout. Um, anyway, I end up just doing it for like two to five minutes at a time, but I'm doing it like in short and fast reps um, versus like the ones who are doing like really big, like powerful reps. So it's just kind of cool because like they have their discipline. I have my discipline and like both of us respect each other, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And I don't want to sound like condescending because I was actually, when I was at the Grand Canyon last week, we were talking about, um, uh, about guys that go to the gym and like bodybuilders and stuff and like how, I don't know what the word would be like deliberate and focused they are where like they'll be in the gym and they're writing down every little detail, like what they ate what they're lifting and like it's really um it's really inspiring honestly to see how focused and dedicated they are to what they're doing and yeah it's a very different thing than than running like they're not gonna be able to go run like a hundred miler that's for sure but like it's cool like how focused they are on building muscle and like focusing on details versus just like oh i go to the gym all the time and there's just some like dumb guy at the gym like like that stereotype like yeah maybe there's some for some people it's it's it makes sense but i think that most of these guys are actually pretty smart and they're just yeah. ripped because they focus on what they're doing. And I think if you kind of look at the opposite way, it's like the same thing with other elite athletes and even like semi-elite athletes where like they're very focused in what they're doing and dedicated. And it, it's inspiring to me. And like, yeah, maybe I we don't have the same goals, but you can learn a lot from these guys and girls that are just crushing in the gym all the time and like based off of what they're doing. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm dissing ultra runners because I'm an ultra runner myself, but like... <laughs> you put your typical ultra runner next to like somebody that's going to the gym five days a week. And, um, I might be shooting myself in the foot by seeing this, but it's like, I feel like it's apparent to see who's healthier out of the two. Like, yes, it's great that we can all run a hundred plus miles or whatever. Like that's, um, a huge accomplishment and a huge, like feat of endurance. But when it comes to health, like, you know, I'm not saying that like muscles and six packs and defined chiseled pecs are like the epitome or the, you know, the, the shrine of what you need to look like to be healthy, but it's obvious that they're focused on like being just overall healthy. And like, you can just see that with their physique to an extent, like, yeah. you know, bodybuilders, I think it was Jess, um, Jessalyn, who was talking about how it's kind of backwards that like physique shows are like the epitome, like is epitome the right word? I might yeah, be using yeah. the right word. You're okay. using it properly, I think. Sometimes I say words and I'm like, that's probably not how I'm supposed to say it. <laughs> but she's saying like these physique shows, like that's what it's supposed to like. We're supposed to basically think that that's the like epitome of health. That's what we want to look like. But in fact, they're actually like starving themselves and it's not that healthy. So I, I do think there's a fine line between somewhere in the middle, but a lot of people at the gym, I feel have definitely figured that out. Yeah. And I think to be not the devil's advocate, but to like see both sides here, it's like, like, like the peak ultra runners do not look like they're the most healthy and they're probably not honestly. And same thing with a lot of these bodybuilders, like Jesslyn was saying, like we look at the yeah. extremes, it's like, oh, they're so healthy because they can do all this stuff. But it's like, 
there probably are repercussions for honestly for running 100 miles all the time or for going to the gym and just getting jacked which is not natural and like all the supplements you're taking um but that's it i think most people kind of fall into the middle ground where like if you're running every week and lifting at the gym like that's way better for you than like not lifting or not running yeah for sure yeah there's definitely a balance to walk yeah <laughs> yeah but that said though like the dedication those guys have and like just any like elite i guess whatever sport you're doing is pretty cool to see and i think we can yeah. all learn from people even if they are in different disciplines than what we're doing and and maybe it's a little intimidating to like talk to these guys and girls at the gym that are jacked but like i think most people are pretty friendly and willing to to help if you had questions or something Oh, absolutely. And the other fun thing that I want to quickly say that I love about going to the gym is just like, you know, the place I go to, it's called the sports Academy and racket club. It's like, you know, it's got weights, it's got like a racquetball court, it's got tennis courts, like it's like a big club basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing that I love about that is there are a bunch of like older people there, like people seventies and above. And you see them like, you know, doing curls, walking around the lap, like there's an indoor track there getting laps at the pool. And so, you know, every time I see all those people that are, you know, in their seventies and eighties that are still going to the gym and working out, it just makes me so happy because, you know, I obviously hope that when I'm at that age that I'm still going to the gym and trying to get things done. So the gym, like, honestly, it's just an inspiring place to go to because everybody that's there is just trying to better themselves and trail running is awesome, but like most of the time you're out there by yourself. So you're not seeing like 50 people that are out there on the trail running and getting like in shape. So that's one thing I really do love about the gym. <laughs> I do like that too. And like to kind of transfer that analogy, not analogy, but like idea over to the trail running world. Whenever I see these old guys and girls out there with like a first gen ultimate direction, like waist pack or something, <laughs> or these really old bottles and like, they're just these old, say they're older, like seventies or whatever. I'm like, I'm sure that guy crushed it back in the day and it still is crushing. And that's really inspiring to me. So it's like kind of the same thing as a different situation and environment. And it, it is awesome to see these old, old, older people out there. Cause that's going to be us someday, hopefully, unless we die young. Yeah. But, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it is really inspiring to see that. And like, and plus to, like the health benefits, obviously, like when you're lifting weights in your older age, like it helps with bone density and prevents muscle loss, which we all are going to encounter at some point in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So on that, maybe we should talk a little bit about some of the different benefits of weightlifting. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So I think bone density, like that's a big one. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I mean, for me here, let's, let's do this. Let's, um, let's, let's ask a question and then hear what you say. And I want to hear what I say too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's so your question? The question is what style of like basically, what do you think some of the best things for runners to do in the gym slash at their home gym that's gonna help them with running? Um, I think there's a distinction personally between road running and trail running. I, I yeah. um, and I could be a little off base on this, but I think that with road running, like more the the stereotypical stuff, like like working on your hips and calves, hamstrings, quads, like calves, like that sort of thing, and your obviously your core is very important, but less of a focus on upper body. Whereas with trail running, it's so much more dynamic and you're climbing and you're descending and maybe you're wearing a pack or using poles or something that it's a lot more important and probably more efficient in the long term, especially in a longer race to do a full body workout versus just focusing on your lower body. Um, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? And I guess to reverse the question here. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that's why I do a lot of full body workouts. Um <clears throat> And yeah, I mean, you covered the upper body, like, you know, 
it's important to work on like military push-ups, um, you know, because that's essentially mimicking the movement that you're doing. Like if you have proper running form, that's essentially mimicking the form of like what your arm should be doing when you're running. So I think military push-ups are great. Um, shoulder press style stuff. Um, just again, because like when you're carrying a pack, for example, um, the stronger your shoulders are, the less your shoulders are going to hurt when you're carrying that pack, especially in like a 200 plus, like you have to carry so much junk. <laughs> and so strong shoulders are going to pay off. And then um, I love the full body stuff too, because like, in my opinion, like glutes, not firing slash weak glutes are kind of the culprit for a lot of issues, um, in the lower body that runners ha have, like, for example, the IT band flare up that I would always have, that's because my glutes weren't that strong and wall sits and gauge your glutes. It will strengthen your glutes. It will help them keep firing. So yeah, shoulders, um, arms slash pushups, and then like squat, um, different variations of the squat to engage your glutes or what I think would be best for, I mean, really anybody, but yeah, especially trail runners. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And like, I, I guess I, when I go to the gym, I try to do, or even when I'm at home or something, try to do basically the same thing with small variations throughout the week. So like I'll do work on my calves and uh, actually now that I'm thinking about it, before we even go there, if we start like at a very base level, like ground level, literally like foot strength is really important. I think it's something that's overlooked a lot. Um, like we always wear, yep. like say we're wearing shoes that are, have a heel drop and then like your toes are kind of smashed in the front. Like, yeah, that's fine for running. But like all day, every day, you shouldn't be wearing shoes like that because it's going to weaken your feet. And mm -hmm. a lot of issues can be prevented by just having strong feet. Um, so like wearing like a, say, a zero drop shoe or a, a non-padded shoe, like a Vivo barefoot or like a five finger or something. While they do look kind of goofy, they really will help your foot strength, which will basically just kind of work up your entire body, I feel like, and put you in a proper form to kind of prevent injuries from happening along with the weightlifting. Yeah, I agree. Um I think it was two or three weeks ago, Mark Sisson, the founder of Primal Kitchen, he reached out to me and um, he actually has, he started his own shoe company. It's called, I believe the way you pronounce it is Paluva, P-E-L-U-V-A. And it's essentially a five finger, but it looks more casual. Um, so yeah, he sent me some. And at first I started wearing them just around the house. I could only last like two hours because it hurt my toes so much. <laughs> um, but now like aside from when I go running or when I'm out walking barefoot in the grass, like I'm always wearing those shoes, like my toes have spaced out more. It's not uncomfortable. When I go to the gym, I use those. <laughs> I do struggle doing backwards sled pulls with them on because it just digs into your, in between your toes and it's super uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but yeah, foot strength is a big one. Like, I mean, theoretically, like a lot of like joint issues that runners have is because of having too high cushion of shoes. Um, when I was at ultra, we were teaching people that like the more cushion on the shoe, the better it is for your feet, because obviously your feet are protected, but, um, there's a chance that your joints are going to have to basically pay the cost of that because the more cushion that you have, the less you feel. So it's easier to like strike the ground harder and then your joints are going to start absorbing that. So the, the stronger your feet get, the less cushion you need when you're running and the less chance you have of just pounding those joints over and over. Yeah. And thinking about that, just like how a high cushion and a high heel drop of a shoe, how they kind of mess with your natural form. Like there are definitely like scientific benefits to it. Say when you're racing or something, you can't really deny that. But um, like 
years ago, I was doing a lot of work for a company. We we're just shooting a lot of videos for treadmills. And so you're just like running day after day with GoPros and like other camera setups and like you're running trails, you're running whatever, and you have to move around a lot. And so I didn't want to have to worry about my form. So I started to wear like the Hoka Speed Goat because like it's just a big fat shoe. Like it was like the first or second gen at the time. And like, yeah, it was great. But then I started noticing that like my foot strike was really sloppy. My form was really poor and things started to hurt a lot more. And then when I went back to more of a normal shoe, a lot of those issues went away. And that made like filming a little more difficult, but my overall health was better. And then eventually I just got used to running in those shoes again. And so I guess when I initially thought about it, I'm like, oh, this is a great idea because I don't have to worry about how I strike my feet. But then things just hurt more and more over time. But, <laughs> and now I just do the opposite. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's the cycle too, to get to that point though. Like you don't need to just like suffer until you're used to it. Like, you know, yeah. wear thick shoes one day or minimal shoes the next day after three weeks wear minimal shoes for two days and thick shoes for one day. And just like, you know, like anything, like <clears throat> when I started at the gym, I was, you know, bench press, like these are just arbitrary numbers, but I started with like 25 pound plates and now I can do like a full 45 pound plate. So same concept, start small and then just work up to it. Yeah, honestly, when I first got my like first pair of uh, barefoot shoes, I got the Vivo barefoots, and uh -huh. I like I wore them around the house for a couple of days. I'm like, oh, these like feel okay. Definitely is a little bit different. And then um, I was actually texting my brother about it because he bought a pair as well, and we were just like, oh man, like these are cool. They feel so awesome because you actually do feel the ground a little bit, which is really interesting. Versus like even like a Luna or something, a like Luna sandal. Then I went mm -hmm. on a five mile hike just because like I want to see how my feet handle. I'm not going to go run in these, but I want to see how my feet handle these like in a hike. And I went out in the Sonoran Desert, which is like super pokey. Like after a couple of miles, I was like, holy crap, like my feet are weak and this actually is kind of painful. <laughs> and so the easy and easy in phase is really important. Like same thing with any zero drop shoes. So you're running in an ultra after going off of Hoka's mm -hmm. or anything with a drop, like you can't just jump right into it. Cause I think that causes a lot of injuries and you saw that, or you can see that with the, um, like the Vibram five fingers, for example, like people yeah. got really into those for a while and they went from like a, say an eight or a 10 mil drop shoe that was padded to zero cushion zero drop and they try to run in them and it just wrecked their feet and their basically like th their entire leg system because they Achilles, weren't these calves yeah. yeah so it's not necessarily like a product error it's more of a user error but that's another conversation i guess for another day <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're transitioning away from weights <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> taking a step back to like some of the essential things that runners can be doing i'm curious to know your thoughts on like the importance of implementing core work because I've heard, I've heard people say why it's beneficial. And I've heard people say that essentially core is just like vain. Like if you want to get a six pack, then do it, but there's not going to be any benefits for running. Basically. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I was actually thinking about this this morning, like just seeing a couple, um, a couple ultra runners photos that are fast. They're all running Western States, like just going through stories on Instagram this morning. And I saw a couple of guys where I'm like, this guy's legit, like way fast than I'll ever be like zero core. Like not like fat yeah. <laughs> by any means, but just like, just kind of like, okay, there's a little bit of nothing there. And then I see other guys like specifically more like, I guess, track athletes and whoever, like they have these massive six packs and it's like, well, there obviously is something beneficial there, like at an Olympic level. Cause you look at marathon road runners in the Olympics or sprinters, like they're all going to have some sort of like definition in their abs. Right. Right. So I don't know. I guess my thought is like, yeah, maybe you can get away with it, but like, I don't see why you would want to potentially not have the benefit of having a six pack or just even some like basic core strength, not necessarily like you're just super jacked down there, but like just moderate core strength is going to be an improvement. It's going to keep you upright. It's going to keep your lungs open. 
and they're going to feel better in general. Like that's my thought anyways. And I think it's very important. Yeah, I agree. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe we should Google this, <laughs> but, um, you know, like the, the lean that some people get in ultras, like where like, they're just like basically bent sideways at the finish line, like the old man lean. Yeah. Well, I know like younger people that get that too. Oh, really? I've only ever seen older people do it, but I, I trust you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I say younger, like, I mean, typically, yeah, you see somebody in their like fifties or sixties that have it, but like I've seen people in their early forties, maybe even late thirties that have had it. Oh, great. And the so way- like me next year then. You next year? Are you in your late thirties? <laughs> I'm 36, but close enough. Uh, close enough. <laughs> um, let's see. And the way I understand, like, doesn't that lean come from a weak core or is it more of a back theme? Cause I thought it was core. I think it's kind of multifactorial. Like one, I think it does come down to your core muscles as not being, I just probably being weak and not engaged properly. Um, yeah. I think, and I could be wrong on this too. So I don't know if there are any studies about it, but I've heard that's also kind of a mental thing too, where a lot of these people think they're standing upright and they're not, they're leaned over. And then when they see the photos or videos of themselves, they're kind of surprised that they were running in that way. And uh-huh. so I think it's kind of like a miscommunication from the brain to the muscle by being so tired that it can't really keep your body upright. Cause you don't see anybody winning like Western States and they're hunched over. Right. It's always people that are right. really fatigued and out there. And so I think it is just a combo of the poor core muscles or weak core muscles. And then also some sort of misfire between the brain just from being so fatigued. Yeah. I mean, there's somebody that I coach that's been dealing with a lean, <clears throat> um, he did like a, I think it was around an 18 mile run a couple of weeks ago. And he told me he developed a lean during that. And so we started focusing on doing more core work. And then he just did the scout mountain 50 K um, last weekend. And after he finished, we were chatting and he said the lean came, but it didn't come until like mile 28 or so. And so something worked. <laughs> I mean, the lean developed around mile 16, 18 in his long run, but it didn't come until mile 28 or so in the race. So um, I'm sure what you're saying is right. Like the same concept of hallucinating deja vu and all that stuff in these long ultras, like you don't know what's happening. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with the glute. Like when your glute stops working, I, I like that's kind of a miscommunication from the, the brain to the glute. Like, cause I know a lot of times when my glute stops firing in a race, this is going to sound funny, but I basically like squeeze my butt cheeks while I'm running. And then like that engages them just by doing that. Like it's awkward, but it helps me re-engage my glutes. And like, you know, in my mind, it's sending a muscle to my brain, like, Hey, the glutes are here. So start using those again. Stop like making my quads do all the work basically. <laughs> so you, you make a mental effort to engage your glutes and that kind of helps like reset it almost in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like I think a lot of things that like you've, if you focus on it for a bit, like it can kind of help like reestablish that connection. And maybe we're totally wrong here. I'm just kind of like theorizing, <laughs> but like, yeah. I think also too, just like with anything, like if you, if you think about it, it kind of just becomes habitual again and again and again. And so yeah, if you're having issues, like it's like, I don't know, people say like engage your glutes, like people don't know what that means. Like once they start actively thinking about it, it happens. And then it just becomes second nature. And yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so that makes so, a lot of sense. You're, yeah. So you're probably right on that, but yeah, I do think there's some, I do think there's benefit for like form posture, like whatever you want to call it. If you have a strong core when it comes to running. Yeah. And like, it's definitely just like with anything, like yeah, having a a six pack, isn't going to make you fast by any means, 
because obviously you have to run to be able to get fast, but it's going to help. And like, it might be incremental improvement, but it's going to help you. So like, why wouldn't you do it? Like take five minutes and do a core workout after a run or something. And like, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't take that much time. And it's just going to help you overall. Well, let's play devil's advocate for a quick second. Okay. What if somebody says they have a full-time job, they have a full-time family and yeah, like theoretically it'd be great if they have all this time to strength train, to run, to work on your core, to foam roll. Like if you, if you're doing everything that you should to like have longevity, like the list gets long. So um, playing devil's advocate, what do you think would be ideal for people who don't have time to run, to lift, to do abs, to do all that kind of stuff? My thought would be, and this I'm kind of thinking about the episode we did with Browning a couple of weeks ago about um, Sedona Canyons and, and Cocodona, mm-hmm. um, where we were talking about how like not everybody has time to like go to the gym. Like driving to the gym for most people will take 15 to 20 minutes and you get ready, then you lift, then you go home. Like just the kind of like in between the lifting time takes a lot of effort and time, right? Whereas mm-hmm. like just the actual workout might be 45 minutes. So say you're, you can have, a, I think you can have a very beneficial workout at your home, which is very basic equipment and weights versus having to go to a gym, honestly, like you don't even need equipment. You can just have like, just like a basic set of dumbbells and you can do a very strong workout and be totally fine and not waste all that time driving back and forth or whatever you're doing. So I think like body weight exercises, like squats, calf raises, a basic core routine, basic upper body is for most people is pretty beneficial. Like, yeah, if you want to be an Olympian, you're gonna have to put away a bunch of time, obviously, to like make things work. Like you can't get away working out one time or two times a week, obviously. But I think for most people that are busy and just want to say complete a 50K or a 50 or even a hundred, like just a basic body weight routine, like two times a week is probably more than enough, honestly. That that's my thought. Yeah. Like you'll you'll save time and it's simple and it's free. Like you don't need a lot of you don't have to pay for a gym membership necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's not free. You do have to buy a little bit of stuff, but yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> well, I guess you could even like say, I don't know, you could buy some bands, right? Like maybe 10 bucks or something at Walmart, mm-hmm. use those. Or even if you were really like, okay, say you're ultimately, you're really pinching pennies, use milk jugs full of water. Like yeah. that's something you could use. Like there are so many options you can do. Like you don't necessarily have to like go out and buy all this stuff. Like body weight exercises are free. So yeah, there's ways to make things work. Yeah. And I mean- you can spend like some of my favorite workouts are the ones I do at home. Um, because I think I'd mentioned that in the episode of Jeff, like I legit take it out on my back patio and do it outside with the sun coming up. So I'm knocking out two birds with one stone. I'm getting my workout in and then I'm getting my morning sunlight in too, which is, you know, the more I've studied that, the more it like helps with circadian rhythm. It helps with mood. It helps you sleep better. Um, but yeah, like some of my best workouts are at home and it's like legit. I have like a $10 jump rope, <clears throat> Um, I have like a $5 cheap, like ab wheel. Um, I have these cool little kettlebells that like, you can twist a dial and it like changes the weight on them. And then this is kind of pricey, but I think it's worth it if you can afford it. But it's like for 250 bucks, I have like those dumbbells that like, you can change it from five pounds to 70 pounds. And so like, you just like move this little dial and it, it changes it for you. So I mean, my home gym is like less than 500 bucks. Um, I have pull-up bars that are cheap, but they can double down as push-up bars too. Like, yeah, home workouts are totally awesome. And I think too that, sorry, did I cut you off? Oh, no, no, go ahead. Okay. And my other favorite thing too, like the family, like that's a big one that stops people from really diving into it. Like 
they want to spend time with their family, but like, I mean, you know, my kids have been like this morning, like me and Sarah did a workout, um, the one outside in the sunlight and we bought 2.5 pound dumbbells for Oakley. We bought five pound dumbbell, five pound dumbbells for Killian. And like, they come out and work out with us. Like they love it. And it's like, so cool. Like when Killian gets finished, he's like, all right, I need to go get a protein drink. And then Oakley says the same thing. She copies Killian. So we give Killian a little bit of a protein drink, which he absolutely loves. And he's always like flexing, saying, look at my muscles. Like, it's just like so fun. Cause like, you know, me growing up, like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm ragging on my parents, but like working out wasn't a thing for my family. Like, you know, for me, spending time was just kind of being present in front of each other, playing card games occasionally. Um, so I just, I think there's a lot of, bonding that happens when you guys are just out working together because you can teach your kids the importance of hard work like Killian wanted to he said something this morning about something being too hard and me and Sarah were just like well that, that's okay bud like you know look at me I'm sweating a bunch I'm breathing hard like I do this because I enjoy it being hard so we're we're teaching him the importance of doing hard things so I get it. Like, you know, you only have so much time in a day with your family and it's hard to like justify doing all this working out and stuff. But like, you know, chances are, especially if you do it early enough, your kids are going to follow, follow you and want to do it with you. Yeah. I 100% agree. And like, I'm, I'm not a dad by any means, but like, I guess like watching that is really cool because like my family is the same way. Like, like Thanksgiving, it's like, well, let's just go sit on the couch and stare at our phones together or watch TV or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, okay. Yeah, it's not necessarily like it is time together, but it's not the same as working out. And I think like what you're doing is instilling positive habits into your kids and that's going to pay off. Like they're going to feel the benefits of it and just be like, yeah, yeah. Like they're not like you go run a hundred miles when they're 10 years old or something, which would be insane. <laughs> but like they are like thinking like, oh, I can do hard stuff and it's going to give them confidence. And they're just going to be strong kids. They're going to learn the value of like, like you were saying, doing hard things and then eating well also. And it's, it's just cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I feel like we're doing a tangent again. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I think all these things are relatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so I think, oh, go ahead. I was going to say like the same thing. Basically, like you can, you can make things work and like, this is a normal person. Like, like, um, I don't know when I was at the Grand Canyon, I was at the Grand Canyon for like a, a month, basically. I was doing some filming um, and then hanging out and training as well. And like, we're getting stuff ready for Western States with some friends. And um, like, while we were there, it's like, okay, you can roll out a yoga mat while you're camping and do a core routine. You can do your mobility stuff there. You can do basic core strength. Like I brought a band with me, a, like a heavy band, and I was able to do hip exercises, able to do like some upper body stuff. And yeah, it's not the same as like going to the gym and like lifting heavy with kettlebells. But I think if you're creative, you can make workouts that work. Like you can do push-ups anywhere. You can do a core routine almost anywhere. You can do body weight squats and calf raises and all this stuff anywhere you are. Like you don't have to go to a gym or whatever. You can do it at your campsite. You may feel awkward doing it, but it's like, who cares what some random person thinks when you're actually doing something to improve your life? That's how I look at it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have a lot of clients when they go camping and stuff like that and they ask what they should do. I'm always just like, take your resistance bands. Like, yeah, I think that is an important note that like lifting weights doesn't mean you need to like add plates. You don't need dumbbells, like, you know, do push-ups in the dirt. Like resistance training is huge for endurance athletes. Like lateral band walks. Um, I'll use bands to put around my knees to do squats as well. Like 
there's a lot of like body weight style stuff that you can do and utilize those bands, like you were saying. And then like my pull-up bar that I use, um, it's actually just two separate bars that like, it's kind of like a clamp. You pull it out and then put it up over the door frame and let go and it clamps onto it. And then it has like a little handle. And so there's two of those, but like, they're so compactable. Like they fold down into like these little squares and like, you know, I could easily fit those in a camping bag and take those with me. And not that I'm going to do pull-ups, <laughs> like, unless I can find some kind of weird tree that somehow will use it. <laughs> but like, I love doing push-ups with the pull, the pull-up bars just to get a little bit of extra depth on it. But yeah, yeah I think like, you could even go like full primal and just be like, well, I'm out here. I'm going to throw some rocks around or, or <laughs> you could, if you wanted to, like in theory, and like, it's going to be the same sort of benefit. Like they're out just like lifting heavy things. Like if you are like, say you're cutting firewood, like, like chopping fire with an ax, like that's a very hard activity. And that's not necessarily like weight training, but yeah. you can get pretty ripped from it. And it is a like a half full body workout, I would say. Yeah. I mean, like one of my favorite things to do is step ups and like you could easily find like a boulder to step up on and then pick up like a rock, like, you know, Cam Haynes it, put it on top of your shoulder or whatever, and just do step ups. Like step ups are great for runners too. It helps with your power and it helps engage the glutes, the hips. It's all good. Yeah, I would agree 100% with that. <laughs> Something that like, um, it's not tangent, but it's related, I guess. <laughs> We're going to be all over the place today. Um, <laughs> but like, I have this thing called a Nordic stick. And basically what it is, is like almost like a portable curl bar where you can like stick it under a door frame and you can do Nordic curls with it, which just work your oh. hamstrings really like crazy. And like, I have weak hamstrings, so I've been trying to like improve those over the years. And it's like a small little like foam thing. It's like this big maybe, and it folds up really small. So I take it to the gym with me and do that. Um a lot but i've taken it camping too and this sounds kind of insane but like i've the little like piece that goes under the door it goes under the door frame so then like you can use the door frame as like a, a brace so that way you don't uh -huh. whatever you can do your curls with it i've when i've been camping at some places i've literally have like driven my truck like rolled it over onto the little piece <laughs> so it keeps it stable and then i use my yoga mat and a pad and i'll, I'll do my nordic curls on the side of my truck and like I, I know it looks insane like anybody watching that is probably just like what is this guy doing <laughs> But it, it, I'm able to do it anywhere. And like, it's such a lightweight, like piece of equipment and it costs like 30 bucks or something. And like, yeah, it's, it's stupid sounding, but like, I want to keep up on those. And so once I keep the, I guess when I keep like that, um, uh, when I do those consistently, my hamstrings feel a lot better and like any sort of like knee pain, if I've ever had that will go away. So to me, it's worth it to like spend the 10 minutes doing that outside versus having knee pain on my runs or something. Yeah. I love the commitment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I was last weekend. Um, so I was with Hayden and Hayden Hawks and then Dan Jones. They went one and two at Tarwire this year and they're running Western States. And um, it was really fun to spend the entire week with them. We were just there at the Grand Canyon training. They did a big, like 130 mile week. The ton of verts get ready for Western States is like their last big week. And it was pretty inspiring to see what they were doing. Cause one, they're putting in the mileage and the time, but then also making do with like, like the band exercises like at the campsite and in the parking lot and it's like yeah just because you're camping doesn't mean you have an excuse to not do these things like maybe it's not always ideal but you can always do them and that was just really cool to see them putting in the time and effort and then also see the results where hayden took second at states this year and second at tarwara dan won tarwara and now they're gonna go out to western states and like basically injury free which is it's pretty yeah. wild to see so. Yeah, I don't think he's taken second at Western States yet this year, by the way. Oh, last year. <laughs> second at Tarwara. <laughs> he's going to win this year. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to like just being addicted to feeling good, right? Like, yeah. 
I mean, I know it's just like, it sounds like we're just like these addicts and like, we probably are, but like, I mean, honestly, like I've never felt as good and as healthy as I do now. And like, I have no doubt that's because like ever since November, like my strength training shame has, my strength training game has like essentially doubled. Um, like I was lifting two to three days a week. Now I'm lifting five to six days a week. And like, I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah. So, um, is there anything else that you want to talk about in regards to like some of the beneficial movements, uh, slash routines for runners? I know we kind of like just generalized it all, but like, I want to make sure we don't miss something specific that might be beneficial for somebody. I guess my, I guess my overall thoughts on lifting is comes down to like what your goals are. Like if you want to run a fast road marathon versus running a fast hundred, your lifting is going to be different. And, and even then, if it's a mountain hundred versus a flat hundred, you got to kind of think about what would be beneficial for you and talk to a coach about building a routine for that specifically. And if you have any sort of injury or weakness, or you're prone to something already focus on that, but don't forget about everything else because it's all going to be beneficial for you in the long run. Yeah, for sure. And I do think it's important too to focus on like the endurance side of weightlifting um, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like going back to the battle ropes, like people who are trying to get like big muscles and stronger when they're doing the battle ropes, they're just doing these huge, like powerful, like essentially hit the ground as hard as you can with the rope. And me, like I'm doing more just like short and fast stuff and seeing like how far I can go. Like when I started with the battle rope, I was doing it for about a minute at a time. And now I'm up to two and a half minutes. Um, do you know what the ski erg machine is? Uh, no, I have no idea what that is, honestly. <laughs> That's, I, I probably add that to my story two times a month. It's that machine where I have the two cables in my hands above my head and I'm like pulling them down past me. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's mimicking like skiing with poles basically, but like it's these cables and, um, <clears throat> the cables are above your head. You grab them. There's resistance. Like you can go down to one or up to a 10 and you essentially kind of like jump up and then pull them down as hard as you can. And you're kind of like doing a squat at the same time, but you're also working on like your arms, like it's a full arm workout. Um, like when I started doing that, like I lasted maybe five or so minutes and now I'm up to 15 minutes. So I'm, I'm trying to, the big things I'm trying to do with what I'm doing is just like, yes, get stronger, but also improve my endurance, improve my cardiovascular work. Like, so I, I think that that's super beneficial for runners to look at that because you're kind of knocking out two birds with one stone. You're getting stronger, but you're also improving your endurance. Yeah, I actually, I look at that from like two different, I guess, two positive things to come from that. One, like that's pretty specific to the type of running you're doing, where you're doing a lot of longer races that are probably using poles. And like, mm -hmm. I've noticed like a few years ago, Hayden and I, we ran soft rock and I hadn't used poles forever because I hate using poles and I hate wearing a pack. But I noticed how sore my triceps were and my arms were like after yep. the first day. Forearms too. Forearms, hands, everything was sore because I'm like, I was so used to running and like hands on knees if I ever had to hike and never using poles. And so I think like the specificity there is like, is there for like, say a 200 or a big mountain race like Hard Rock where you're, you'd be using poles a lot. Um, but then also it's like just the full body workout um, is, is super important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I do want to throw out one more thing too, of something that I think is very beneficial before we move on, <laughs> but I touched on it a second or a few minutes ago, but that BOSU ball, 
Um, I do a lot of work on that. The BOSU ball is great for working on the stabilizing muscles for making your ankles stronger. Um, like I'll, I'm sure you've seen it on my stories before, but like I'll get a squat bar and add like 25 pound plates. Um, when I started, I just did the bar, then I moved up to tens. Now I'm up to 25s, but I'll get that, put it on my shoulders and stand on the BOSU ball and I'll do 15 to 20 squats, three sets. And so, you know, squats are great for engaging the glutes, but like I've since I'm doing it on the BOSU ball, like I, I just love knocking out two birds with one stone. Like <laughs> I said that earlier. So I'm working on engaging the glutes, but I'm also working on strengthening my ankles and my other stabilizing muscles. So the BOSU ball is definitely something that, you know, I would say if you can afford it is something that's worth adding to your, your like home gym quiver. If you don't go to a public gym. Definitely. And like, you know, um, do you know who Sandy Nypaver is? Sage Kennedy's girlfriend. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're both coaches and stuff, but years ago she posted something about like when you're doing squats or like even like Bulgarian split squats or something like that to find something soft to put under one of your feet. So that way you get some like instability so you can build stabilizing muscles. So it's kind of like a, basically a free BOSU ball. And so you can use something like a, like a towel or rags or something. It's like just a little bit of like instability there on your foot. And so you say you are at home and you don't have access to like a BOSU ball or something, you can just use something like that. And that can definitely help like your improvement. Like, I think the ball would be better, like you're saying, but like on a zero budget thing, like just put some things on the ground that are soft and are going to increase or add a little bit of motion to your workout. And that'll kind of simulate um, that instability effect. So it's just kind of yeah. a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, it's all beneficial, right? <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um. Let's see. What was the shoot? I had a thought come to my mind, but then it left my mind. That's the thing with these shows. So many thoughts just enter and then <laughs> you're trying to listen to what the co-host is saying with you. And then you just forget what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, we could go on for hours if we, uh, if we just kept talking, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do think too, that going back to something that you said earlier about how, when you do those hamstring curls, um, like camping, I, I believe you said something about how, if your knee's hurting, you do a few of those and your knee stops hurting. Yeah. Um, I do, I, I teach my, the people I coach this all the time. Like, you know, if we're doing these movements in our training to strengthen ourselves and alleviate that tightness and alleviate that pain, then why wouldn't you do that in the middle of your races if you're having issues? And so I do, like I, I try preaching this to as many people as possible, but like, if you see my Colorado trail film documentary, um, there's a part in that documentary where I'm talking about how, like I was having some knee pain and like, you legit see me like, like I'm holding onto a tree and I'm in like a figure four stance with one leg up over the knee and I'm like bending over as far as I can. So I'm like stretching my glute while I'm holding onto that tree. I've utilized my pacers to like hold my leg up and like I do Bulgarian split squats on the trail. Um, I've like gotten down into like a crab walking position and like extend my leg out um, to like kind of like add a little bit of flexibility and movement into my knee. So it's like, I think I've said this in this podcast before, but like, you know, when I used to have pain in the middle of a race, I used to think that like, that was it. I'm just going to have to deal with this pain for the rest of the race or I got to quit. <laughs> but now it's just like, okay, like, this pain mostly likely means that something's not firing right. One muscle is too tight. So it's pulling in this area. So I just got to do something to like engage this other muscle basically. So 
I do think that like if runners can like, you know, understand that no pain does not equal, like I got to quit. It just means you got to loosen something up or re-engage something and, you know, doing some body weight in the middle of a race. There's nothing wrong with that. Even though you definitely do get looked at funny <laughs> by other runners. <laughs> definitely. And that's probably even more relevant, like as longer the race gets, cause like, say you're in a 5k, like in your <laughs> right. to PR, it's like that's probably not going to make sense. But like, like a Cocodona or whatever, like a hundred mile or even like you de- could definitely utilize that strategy. I think it's yeah, really cool. distance does matter for sure. <laughs> yeah, like and I, I've done that as well too. Even just on shorter runs, well, like longer training runs, I should say, where I've definitely like, okay, I got to stop and just kind of like stretch things out. Because if you're just doing some kind of like monotonous, say like you're running eight minute pace flat, like you just engage those same muscles over and over and over and over. And then maybe things get a little tight or just whatever. And if you just kind of stretch them out and you can be good to go again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, another thing too, I might be saying this word wrong, but is it, is it catabolization? Yeah. Or yeah. Cause yeah, I think I know what you're saying. Like where, you your muscle, where, you, where your body eats your muscle basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when you're doing these long runs, like, you know, it's no, it's not unknown that like your body's going to be eating away some of your muscle in these things. Like when I <clears throat> finished Coca-Dona, I lost 10 pounds and I know that wasn't all fat. <laughs> um, so like, that's why, like I spent a good solid week, not running after Coca-Dona and just strictly going to the gym every single day to rebuild that muscle up. So the other thing that I want to say in terms of like the importance of starting to implement straight, ugh. <laughs> We're both struggling talking today. <laughs> um, the, another reason you'd want to implement that strength training is just because of the muscle breakdown that you are going to experience in these longer races. And so, you know, it makes sense. The more muscle you have, the mus- more muscle you're going to have after it breaks down. Um, did that make sense? <laughs> yeah, and it definitely makes sense. And I think that's just one part of the equation to prevent um, the breakdown of muscle during an event but it is very important. And it's like what you can be doing prior to the race to prevent that muscle loss and muscle wasting um, during the race. Yeah, for sure. Um, you want to talk a little bit about like pre post-workout eating supplements that you can take to make yourself a little bit stronger slash better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think, and like, I, this is what I do. Like I kind of have, like, I try to do my, like say I'm going to lift hard. I try to do that on my same day. I do a hard work running workout or a bike workout or something. So like generally Tuesdays and Thursdays are when I do my workouts as far as like a, say like an interval session or a hill session or something. And uh-huh. so then I also try to do my, my strength training on top of that. So that way the whole day is a hard day. And then the next day can be a pure recovery day of easy running, maybe easy lifting or easy riding. Uh-huh. Um, so just, just thinking about that in general, like um, I try to do my, my run in the morning. I like to morning run personally, and then do my evening weights workout. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And so personally for myself, like when I do that, like I don't consume any caffeine later in the day because it messes with sleep and everything. Like it affects me pretty heavy. And I think just more than people realize it messes with your sleep, which will affect your recovery. And so as far as like a pre-workout, I, I don't necessarily or usually use any sort of like caffeine or anything in the afternoon simply because I know it's going to keep me up at night, which will just basically, in, in my opinion, just kind of cancel out the effects of that workout because you're not going to recover very well, especially if you did a run workout in the morning and then like a, a weights workout in the evening. Um, so like, I guess, I don't know, 
my my weights workouts i don't really have like a pre-workout generally that i'll i'll do for it um definitely try to stay hydrated um with like relight or something if i need to i generally need to if i've been um doing a run workout that day um mm -hmm. and then i also i usually take creatine too but um i've started using that recently and i really like it so either pre or post i don't think it really matters honestly um that's kind of just like what i, I do just basics but go ahead and say i do think that dr james that i've it's been a while since I've referenced him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do believe, though, I saw a post where he said that it's uh, more beneficial. I don't know why, but I do know that he said this. But he said it is more beneficial to take the creatine after the workout. Yeah, I've I've read stuff both ways on it. And I think what happens with creatine is like you take it for a few weeks, like five grams a day, and your uh -huh. muscles are loaded with it at that point. So then after that point, it doesn't really matter as far as uptake goes, if you do it pre post or whenever during the day, as long as you're taking it at some point. Um, but Got yeah, it. there are, there are data showing though, that like taking it post can, um, can Im improve the absorption of creatine. But I think for most people just taking it daily is the most important part. Um, yeah. It's great for recovery. Yeah. It's, I think it's awesome and it's cheap. And it doesn't really taste like anything, like mix it in with some electrolyte drink and you don't even think about it. Like as far as like cost, I don't know, the cost benefit of creatine is probably like the best supplement you can buy for anybody, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. cheap. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a thing um, that costs like 20 bucks and it was like, that's like a hundred servings or something. Yeah. And it just bought as sprouts. Like it's wild. Like how cheap it is. Um, Speaking of pre-workout, I know you just said that you don't really take it because of when you weight lift, but have you heard of um, or tried the Redmond Relight pre-workout? Yeah, I have. I actually have a bottle with it of of it with me right now. Um, okay. And like, I I think as far as the pre-workout goes, it's good. Like, it has a lot of good stuff in it, and it has the sodium, which is really important. And most yeah. of the pre-workouts on the market, in my opinion, are just total junk and shouldn't yeah. even be consumed because they all have sucralose in them to cover up like the bitterness <laughs> of the beta alanine and or some other sort of sweetener. And it's like they're just they're garbage honestly and the redmond relight pre-workout is like it's pretty amazing like it, it does taste a little bit it's like not my favorite taste in the world honestly but it's not like you're drinking something disgusting by any means right and i have taken it before runs and i have done weight sessions in the morning where i've taken it before and the stuff definitely works like it's a solid <laughs> pre-workout yeah i mean they have maca root ginseng root which is good for endurance um taurine the um the beta alanine, have you, <laughs> I've actually never had that before. Um, do you get like the tingling feeling when you take it? No, it's funny. Cause like when I was years ago, I took something beta alanine in it and someone was, it was actually a Bigfoot 200. It was pacing DJ. He lives in Salt Lake. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was the same year. I think he ran Bigfooters. I don't, it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, I took some, like, I think it was a gnarly like pump or whatever they had at the time to some like stick pack they gave me. And someone uh, that was with me was like, oh, you're going to feel all tingly and get all red in the face. And I'm like, nah, I, I've never felt that effect. So like, to me, it's weird that people say that, but then again, everybody's a little bit different. I just have never experienced that before. Yeah. I mean, I used, when I was sponsored by Gnarly, I took their pre-workout and I never had it. I didn't even know it was a thing to be honest, but then like I started taking Redmond and the first day I experienced that and I was like what is this feeling? <laughs> and then like the next day it happened again. And like, I texted Ben light cause he loves pre-workout. And I was like, dude, like I started taking this new pre-workout and like, 
I've never been on crack before, but I imagine this is what it feels like. Like I'm like super jittery. My arms are tingly. My face feels like it's on fire. And he's just like, oh yeah, that's just the beta alanine. That's normal. I'm like, wow, like this is wild. <laughs> Dude, now you're sparking my memory. Like a long time ago, um, I was dating a girl in Denver and she had a bunch of pre-workout and like, I had to go to the gym. I don't remember why. And I was just like, well, I'm going to take some pre-workout. I'd never taken it before in my life. Like at the time it was like maybe a Red Bull occasionally, whatever. <laughs> and I took like a scoop or two of it and I went to the gym and I was just like, holy crap. Like I couldn't focus. <laughs> like my brain was all over the place. And I didn't get that tingly feeling, but I just felt like so wired the entire day. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And it was some like, I know, some like weightlifting brand of pre-workouts. Who knows what even in, what was even in it. It's probably just a bunch of junk, right. but that was a wild experience. So I guess I can kind of relate to what you're saying. Yeah. And just to let you know too, like for the taste, like, yeah, I agree. The taste isn't great. Like, and I saw a lot of people in the reviews saying how they hate the taste, but like, you know, it's exactly what you said. They don't add sucralose. So it's like, it's, I think it's one of the cleanest pre-workouts out there. Um, but I did find though, that the taste is significantly better. If you add half a scoop of just like the relight, um, like sodium electrolyte mix, like it, like I have the peach mango pre-workout and I just add like half a scoop of the mango electrolyte to it. And, you know, for some reason, the extra salt or whatever, it makes it like significantly better. So are you still doing a full scoop of the pre-workout and then a full scoop of relight? No. So full scoop of pre-workout and then half a scoop of the electrolytes. Okay. I can see that helping like to balance out that flavor because it's a little bit of bitterness, right? That's how I... yeah. And take it as yeah which is probably the beta alanine or the bcaa's because i know bcaa's typically don't taste that great <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently you can you can buy just like straight up bcaa and also eaa like off amazon like as a bulk supplement and all uh, the reviews are like oh this stuff works but it tastes like throw up <laughs> yeah it's like it's unflavored like that's why those drinks have a lot of weird flavors and sweeteners is because like the amino acids are so strong in their flavor and their taste yeah. And for the people that don't want to deal with the taste or like the tingly beta alanine feeling, like, you know, that Dr. James, he always says like, he probably does two or three posts a week about this, but like he says, the best pre-workout is basically sodium. Um, so before I was experimenting with Redmond Relight pre-workout, I was just using, I was doing two scoops of Redmond Relight and a big 48 ounce, and a big 48 ounce Nalgene that I have. And yeah, I felt like, cause you know, electrolytes helps increase blood flow. So like, you know, theoretically more sodium is going to help with that too, which is going to help give you that pump. And, um, we all wake up dehydrated. So, I mean, you're going to help yourself be hydrated and then you're going to give yourself kind of like a just cheap, easy pre-workout too. Yeah, that's super true. And like, I think I mentioned this before in a prior show, but like I did a, a sweat test with precision hydration and, mm -hmm. um, Afterwards, they send you a whole bunch of like literature and stuff. And like, it's stuff that I, it's pretty basic. It's stuff like I already knew, but, um, they always suggest taking like 750 milligrams of sodium prior to a workout or a race or something to kind of preload mm -hmm. and to vasodilate a bit because it, it does help with blood flow. So same thing as like, is he is saying, James, is that like taking sodium beforehand, just kind of get your body ready and increases blood flow. And we'll give you that like pseudo pump without the, um, the bad flavor and stuff, but it's a, basically a cheap one that you could use or just use relight because it has a lot of other stuff in yeah it. the redmond's uh, pre-workout i should say redmond relight's awesome yeah it's I good <laughs> i buy it so yeah. much it's like the best stuff Me i want to try their seasoning really bad have you tried their seasoning 
Yeah, I have their seasoned salt. It's amazing. Oh man, I gotta try it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's got kind of like a curry flavor to it. Um, yeah, so, sounds good. Uh, I guess we're kind of getting close to time, but um, what do you use for like uh, recovery after a workout as far as nutrition? Yeah, I mean, I love getting uh, as much like I've until recently I've stopped taking protein shakes. Um, just because I've been trying to get as much of my protein from like food as much as possible. And I also heard Dr. Berg I actually sent you this video. I don't know if you watched it all, but he was talking about like some of the things you want to avoid to avoid fatty liver disease. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said is like, you don't want to get too much whey protein. Um, I don't know if you remember seeing that, but I, I don't, I, that was my first time hearing that that actually caught me off guard. So I need to do a little bit more research on that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what he said exactly in the video, but I wonder if it's because like having a synthesized like very highly like concentrated form of protein can just kind of raise your blood sugar yeah so i wonder if that's what he's saying like say you got all your protein every day from whey protein shakes that might just jack up your blood glucose levels and contribute to fatty liver disease but i don't know i'm speculating again well i'm guessing too that like that's talking about people who are taking like yeah those people that are taking four or five protein shakes a day like i'm sure one a day is not gonna do that (laughs) definitely um, yeah so anyway just going back i i have started experimenting with like some raw milk and um um some whey protein and some collagen like immediately after my workout in the morning um so i i do like that just because like it is hard to get all of your protein from food just because you know me i don't get hungry that often anymore and so like i try to just like load up on meat and eggs but like i just sometimes i can't And so I do think like, you know, a drink is not going to fill you up too much. So like, I I just think it is like once a day, a good way to get a little bit of extra protein Um, because I do think most of us are under on our protein. So for me, it's like protein, collagen, and creatine is what I take right after my, my weightlifting session. Yeah. I would say I essentially do the same thing as well. Like whether that's like raw milk or sometimes I'll do a whey protein or something. If like, I, I feel like I need it. Say it's a big day. And uh-huh. I just want extra calories and food. Like I'll do it, but generally like most of them, I don't think they taste very good. So it's kind of yeah. like I'd just have raw milk, but um, exactly, <laughs> this is so good. But um, I was actually listening to like a coop cast the other day. Um, I was with Jeff in the Canyon and we were talking about um, like uh, Jason Coop's podcast and he had one about protein that just came out and some of the new data that are coming out about protein. And like for a while, it's kind of like, Oh, protein's bad. Protein's bad. But like, you like I think the guy was saying to like two to three grams of protein per pound of body weight. I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically he was saying just like you can up your protein and it's better for you as far as endurance athletes goes. And we need to stop like worrying so much about consuming too much protein because a lot of people do. And yeah. like I kind of feel the same thing as you, where like if I eat a bunch of eggs and and meat, like I just don't feel hungry. And it's almost hard to get that amount of protein every day. So one thing that he suggested doing was one, have a whey protein shake, like in the evening or something or post-workout, because you can get a lot of calories and protein that way. Like 25 grams is pretty easy just to suck down. And then if you can't stomach that because you're just so full, just buy some like essential amino acid blend on Amazon or something and use that because that'll give you pretty similar results. And it's basically just like drinking water. So like the, yeah. e- the EAA drinks on Amazon are pretty cheap. You can get ones that are flavored or just totally plain. This is another easy way to increase your your protein uptake or intake, I should say. Um, that's pretty cheap and easy, and yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and I do think like I, I and I do got to go here shortly, so let's okay. we got to wrap up. 
Um, but yeah, I do think it's important to like, and this is coming from me who like loves tinkering with fasting. Uh, but yeah, I'm never going to fast after a workout, um, specifically like a weight training workout. Sometimes I think it's beneficial to fast for a little bit after a run. Um, but like in terms of like, you know, building your muscle endurance and building muscle, like, you know, I never go more than 30 minutes after a weightlifting session without getting in some kind of calories and protein. So definitely prioritize that in my opinion. Yeah. And just real quick, I think we should do a show about fasting because I think both of our views have changed on it over time. And (laughs) I I think it's, I think it's a good thing. And I think there also could be some negatives to it. So I think it'd be fun to do a show about that because I don't know, I've been researching it quite a bit recently. I've seen a lot about a bit, a lot about it recently too. And, um, it'd just be fun to like talk about it more in depth because there are pros and cons to it for sure. Just like with anything else. Yeah. I mean, it's just with everything in excess, it's not great, but you know, here and there, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but yeah, let's definitely do that for another episode. 100% agree. (laughs) So, so I guess uh, the short version of the show is start weight training and recover (laughs) properly from it. It's important to help prevent injuries. It'll make you a better runner and you'll have better days outside. If you want longevity, it's, it's crucial. Um, it really is. I think that's what we're all trying to figure out how to do this without getting injured and weightlifting is going to help with that. Yep. (laughs) Cool. Well, we'll see you next week. Um, we're excited. We're going to, unless, unless we have to cancel for whatever reason, um, you know, people's schedules change, but like next week we're going to have Jeff Garmeyer on the show. Um, he's awesome. He did Coca Dona. He had some nutritional issues at the start and then things changed for him. So we're going to talk about what he did to change that and for those who don't know him, he's a character. It's going to be quite a, it's going to be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah, he's a good dude. He's definitely a unique guy. And I, I mean that in a very positive way. I love him to death. So it'll be fun to have him on the show to talk about Cocodona. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks everybody. As always, uh, tell your friends about the show and thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.